On today's episode, we'll look back at the Green Bay Packers' first preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers, the Brewers with a weekend battle for the NL Central against the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll recap all of those games. We'll get into a little college football. And it's only the first week of preseason football, but I think I've got a front runner for the wrap-up of today's podcast in the you-gotta-be-kidding-me category. There's one team I think that we may be going to time and time again as this season moves forward. All of that and maybe a little more coming up on today's edition of the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. As we said in the intro, we're going to take a look at that first Packer preseason game. We'll get into the Brewer Cardinals series over the weekend. We're going to start talking about some college football. I'm excited about that to know that college football is right around the corner. And as I said, we'll wrap things up as we're starting to do now since an episode or two ago, I should say, with the you got to be kidding me category. So all that coming up on today's podcast. And again, thank you so much for logging in and joining us. So let's go back to the preseason opener on Friday between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers out in the Bay Area, the Packers on the road for that first preseason affair. They came home with a loss, 28-21. to But yet going into that game, there were some things, as we alluded to on a previous podcast, that we were really looking for, and that's really what you're doing during preseason football. You're looking for whether or not some of, shall we say, the high draft choices, did they shine the way you had hoped they would? And you're looking for, especially the Green Bay Packers, a player like Jordan Love. What kind of steps are they making? And hopefully they're in the right direction. So going into, obviously, we wanted to see the progress of Jordan Love. Now, between Jordan Love, the offensive line, the defense, special teams, those were four areas that we were really focused in on. And so now that we live in a world where we can't really necessarily grade everybody, right, because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and we've seen many school systems now go to a advanced proficient grading and then your basic or your minimal, you don't even fail anymore. You're just operating at minimal. We'll go ahead and use that. We'll go ahead and use that today as our grading system for preseason game number one with the Green Bay Packers. Let's start with Jordan Love. Jordan Love went 13 of 24 for 176 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, 
a quarterback rating of 66. The three interceptions were the category or just the interception category was one of the items that we were going to focus in on. Don't let the three interceptions throw you. Two of those interceptions I do not put on Jordan Love. That went on the receivers. One interception, Matt LaFleur would say I'd question whether or not that should have been on Jordan Love too because apparently the receivers ran an incorrect route tree, and in doing so, Jordan Love tried to force the football in an area he really shouldn't have. Jordan Love, I thought, overall played very well. Jordan Love has a beautiful touch on the football. And the only thing I kept thinking about as far as a criticism would be in watching the game on Friday was think back when Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Packers. And remember all the stories we would get about receivers having their fingers broken because he would just throw a rocket once in a while while trying to thread the needle, so to speak. And there were times on Friday watching Jordan Love who throws a very, very good, what I would term a finesse ball, laying it over the shoulder. I mean, it just drops out of the sky beautifully. But there were times on Friday I needed to see a Brett Favre-like approach to a throw where he just needed to unleash the cannon, so to speak. Instead of trying to finesse it in there, just whip it in there so. And that would be where I thought Jordan Love coming out of Friday's game could use some improvement now making his way through training camp. The other element that I saw, and I don't know how how this gets fixed. I really don't. Because I think, in my mind, Jordan Love's confidence got shook a little bit last year within the old Aaron Rodgers saga. He's in, he's out, he's not coming back, he is coming back. Jordan Love's got this team. Jordan Love now is back to second string. You know the, the soap opera, the song and dance. And I watched Jordan Love get on the field, and then I watched Trey Lance, the now will-be starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, who did not play last year behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who will now be their number one quarterback. They're ready to get rid of and trade Jimmy G, who looks like could be on his way to Cleveland. But Trey Lance walked on that field with just a different swagger. There was a different swagger about Trey Lance walking on that field than I saw from Jordan Love. It's perception. I don't know if it's actual, real, however you want to say it, but my perception in watching the two is there was a confidence level in Trey Lance to a degree that I didn't see with Jordan Love. That's not to say Jordan Love did not walk on that field confident, did not have command of the offense, did not do things the way they were supposed to be done, but there was something missing when I compared him to Trey Lance. Trey Lance went 4 of 5, 92 yards, one touchdown, a quarterback rating of 158.3. Now, the, the, the size of work between he and Jordan Love was major. As we said, Trey Lance only had five pass attempts. Jordan Love had 24. So there's a bit of discrepancy there. But again, the swagger that Trey Lance had, I, I just I found it different 
than what I saw with Jordan Love. However, I walk out of that game after watching it, not really having any misconceptions regarding Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love, I think there's a great deal of upside. What I still haven't figured out yet is if that upside is in Green Bay. And as you hear about other teams now, seeing their quarterbacks get nicked up, injured, go down, whatever the case may be, I still wonder if Jordan Love won't find himself on another team, maybe even before this season starts. I do, do I have any inside information? None at all. That's just a hunch I have. And watching him play on Friday, I think there are a lot of teams around the NFL that would love to have a Jordan Love on their roster, whether it is as a backup or whether it is as a potential starter because their current excuse me, quarterback situation isn't what they had hoped. So all in all, Jordan Love, I'm going to give you a solid proficient. Let's move to the offensive line. The offensive line, obviously, with the injuries to uh, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, not sure who will anchor that thing down. Talked about last week going into that first preseason game. A lot of players within the line having to perform, let's say, additional duties or being moved off of what their normal spot was. And yet, I thought the offensive line performed great whether we're talking about John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers, all guys who really, I think, improved um, their stock, for lack of a better way of saying it, moving forward into training camp, I thought the offensive line overall performed very well. I would, in my opinion, give the offensive line the highest grade moving forward into week number two's preseason matchup against the New Orleans Saints, Based on what I saw Friday, I was very impressed with the way they were able to move people off the ball. I thought their pass protection, yes, there were times when the pass protection broke down, but overall, I thought their pass protection was really good. On the defensive side of things, line, linebackers, pretty solid, okay. But that second and third string unit right now, as far as defensive backs go, Those are some guys who I have a feeling when they got back to Green Bay and sat in that film room, they're a little nervous. They're a little nervous. That defensive back group, again, second, third string, did not look very impressive on Friday. If I'm going to give the lowest grade, I'd I'd give that defensive back group that was out there on Friday a minimal. They just, too many errors, too many mistakes, too many blown coverages. And I get it. It's the first time you're really getting thrown into the fire. It's the first time you're seeing live action other than the guys that you've been practicing with against in training camp. But some of the mental errors that took place I don't think will be tolerated. And that's an area that's pretty deep right now for the Green Bay Packers. And for some of those guys, they needed a good showing, not only in the defensive backfield, but on special teams in order for them to hang on and make the roster. There's got to be some guys extremely worried going into this week based on that performance. As I alluded to special teams, we thought about special teams and what they would look like. And it's markedly better in a preseason game where you're throwing the teams together 
just trying to give guys an opportunity to make the team, I thought they looked incredible in relation to what we saw last year. I'd give special teams a high proficient in how they performed. They did their job. You didn't see the breakdowns that you saw last year, especially in that playoff game. Now, granted, I know it's preseason game number one. Preseason game number one, functioning at a decent level does not mean you will be functioning at a decent level in November. But the outlook, the perception, the feeling about special teams is marketedly different already than at any point we had last season. One of the reasons and one of the players that really, to me, stepped his game up, and we talked about people having stock up, so to speak, uh, the old Mike and Mike in the morning uh, shtick that they would do, Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers in what he did on special teams and then also some of the work he did in the slot position on offense, I thought really showed a young man who took a step in the right direction. Coming in last year, he was a rookie. He didn't necessarily have everything in his tool belt available. He was still learning the system, getting used to professional football, the whole nine yards. But Friday night, with his 50-yard kickoff return, and again, the the work in the slot position, he had a 22-yard touchdown after a short catch, you, you saw glimpses of why Amari Rodgers was taken where he was in last year's draft. Now, another wide receiver that, as a Wisconsin Badger fan, I'm rooting for beyond belief, and one who has continued to find a way to keep his name relevant. And that's not always easy when you're a long shot, and that was Danny Davis. The Badger entering camp was considered by many, if not everyone, to be an incredible long shot to make this team. But he keeps doing things, whether it's on the practice field or in the preseason game, that continues to make his services shown and relevant to what this organization needs moving into this season. I think whether he makes the actual 53-man roster is still a big question mark. Whether he makes the practice squad that goes into this season I think could almost be a gimme. And I would think that if he continues to progress the way he has, the Packers are going to need to really worry just a bit because you have that window when you make your final cuts between other teams picking these players up as free agents or then you having the ability to put them on your practice squad. I don't recall off the top of my head what that hour window is, if it's six, seven, eight, 12 hours, whatever the case may be. But if Danny Davis continues to perform the way he is, not only do I think will he continue to be a Green Bay Packer on the practice squad, but the Packers are going to need to be a bit worried, for lack of a better way of saying it, that somebody like him won't get snatched up through free agency once those final cuts come. Now, there's still a a chance that a Danny Davis could actually make the 53-man roster. That would be a great story. How many times as Packer and Badger fans have we hoped and wished 
that the Packers would grab some of those players out of Madison and bring them into the fold on the other side of the state. Now we've got that opportunity here with Danny Davis, and so we'll keep our fingers crossed moving forward as to whether or not we'll see a Danny Davis on this roster, whether it's active or the practice squad moving into this season. So again, coming up, preseason game number two, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the week as the Packers will be taking on the New Orleans Saints. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of the break, let's look at a weekend that kind of once again showed the two powerhouses within the NL Central going back and forth in St. Louis. So we'll recap that Cardinal Brewer matchup over this past weekend, and we'll do so after we take. Let's talk about our Milwaukee Brewers who had a disastrous eighth inning in yesterday's ball game, which cost them in the final run total as they go down to the St. Louis Cardinals 6-3. to three. They'll win one of three on that road stand against St. Louis and now sit a full game and a half behind the cards in the NL Central standings. What do you take from it? You take from it that the Brewers competed well in that three-game set. It wasn't as if they rolled in and got rolled over. That all three games were games with the exception of yesterday's once it got to the eighth inning. That they can compete with the St. Louis Cardinals, but they don't have enough yet to get them over the hump. You know, I heard Colin Cowherd talking the other day and he was making reference to how the San Diego Padres has just accumulated a ton of talent by the trade deadline on this year's roster, and presumably for a couple of years to come. And yet that team still has not found a way to get past the Los Angeles Dodgers. In their three-game set with the Dodgers, about a week ago I think it was, The Dodgers outscored the Padres something like 20-4. to The Dodgers just have the Padres number. And maybe not to that extent when you look at the numbers as far as runs scored, but the Cardinals still have the Brewers number. And that was evident in this three games. Like I said, all competitive games. The only thing in yesterday's ballgame was the demise from the bullpen, In the eighth inning, Taylor Rogers struggled, gave up a few runs, and that became the deciding factor. Now, if you're going to take something positive out of the loss yesterday, that was Aaron Ashby. Six innings, three hits. Unfortunately, two of the three hits were home runs, but six innings, three hits. Only two walks. That you put into play with the fact that he had five strikeouts. Aaron Ashby pitched very well, and that's going to be a key that this team is going to need down the stretch in trying to hopefully now continue and make a run at the NL Central. 
Remember in the beginning of the year, I mean, everybody, and I have to say myself included, thought that the Brewers just ride these waves up and down, it'll be okay, that the talent on this team would be far better than anyone else in the NL Central, and it is far better than the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds. But the Cardinals always seemingly find a way to take their roster, blend it together in such a fashion that it will play winning baseball in the back half of the season. We've said time and time again on this podcast, take things with a grain of salt because MLB, the Major League Baseball season, is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, we're coming towards the end of that marathon. And good marathon runners find a kick at the end. Any good track athlete who runs distance finds that kick at the end. You you can watch the Olympics. They're running the 800. They're going at a pace. They're going at a pace. They're going at a pace. And then, boom, like they've been shot out of a cannon. Suddenly there's an extra gear and off they go. The Brewers need to find that and need to find it soon. Because the Cardinals know how to find it. And they're starting to get it now, the Brewers need to find it as well. And and I've tried to be patient, tried to be patient with Christian Yelich. But another 0 for 4 outing is not what this team needs. And I know he's trying. It's not a matter of somebody going out there and going through the motions. I get it. He's trying. But he's your MVP. He's your highest paid player. You need production. You look at the St. Louis Cardinals and and you look at the salaries and you equate salary with production. The St. Louis Cardinals get production by by the players that they're paying. And the Brewers right now are not getting it. And they're going to need something to click. And I keep waiting for it to happen. And I'm getting to the point now where you know you try to keep the glass half full, but you keep drinking the water, pretty soon it becomes half empty. And that's kind of where I'm getting with, with this Milwaukee Brewer team right now is the fact that it could be getting half empty and it could be an issue real quick. When you go from having a team that was vying to be NL Central champs and what that would mean in the playoffs, now to hoping that they can stay in the mix for the wild card race, something's not right. Something is just not right. What it is, I don't know, but something is just not right. So the Brewers a game and a half back now, heading into a home series against the L.A. Dodgers. It's not going to get any easier for our Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, they'll have the Cubs after that. They'll have some other NL Central teams that they seemingly have their number. But now you've got to get through a set with the L.A. Dodgers probably and arguably the best team in baseball and find a way to survive so now being a game and a half out of first place that you don't fall further back. Because if the Cardinals sense blood, you could rename the Cardinals the Sharks because when they sense blood, look out. And I think the Cardinals seemingly are starting to sense a little hemorrhaging on our Milwaukee Brewers squad And if they sense it, they're going to go after it. And then instead of talking about an NL Central division winner, we're going to be keeping our fingers crossed in hopes that they can get a wild card berth. So the Brewers, again, getting ready to open up a three-game stretch at home 
against the L.A. Dodgers. If you get the opportunity, get out there. Root on the home team. We've got to find a way to get some adrenaline going in this club as we make our way down the stretch. Time for us to take a quick break on the other side of the break. One of the best times right now is the fact that college football is getting ready to get into full swing, and we'll talk about one particular element within college football that I think you should keep an eye on moving into this season, and we'll get to it in just a sec. Welcome back in. Let's let's talk college football. I, for me, listen, I love my Packers. I love my Bucks. I love my Brewers. Admirals love professional athletics. But when we start talking about college sports, when we start talking about college football and basketball, that is when life gets really, really amped up for me personally because I just love the atmosphere and the games and everything else. So with college football right around the corner and starting to look at all of the various elements now that are coming into play with regards to name, image, and likeness, with regards, you name it. We, we've, we've talked about the business side of college athletics to nauseam, and now it's time at least for us as far as college football fans to start thinking about the games themselves. So looking into this year, I think this year is going to be the year of the college quarterback. Now, the quarterback in football, obviously, is just a marquee position. It's a very important position within all of the different levels when we're talking about the game of football. But the number of potential stars this year at the college quarterback position is worth noting, and I think it's worth noting to the point that I would go ahead and name this season already the season, as I noted, of the college quarterback. So let's briefly run through some of the quote-unquote stars that might be emerging as this season progresses and their respective teams, what that will mean for them. Let's start first here at home. It's as many people have wrote and reported, it's a make-or-break season for Graham Mertz. The kid has not necessarily lived up to all of the hype coming into now what will be his redshirt junior season. Let's remember, when Graham Mertz decided to come to Wisconsin, he had offers at Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Oregon, and Notre Dame. This was a huge get for the Wisconsin Badgers. And then, as we've talked about, whether it's on this podcast, on the college sports show on 1250 AM, The Fan here in Milwaukee, whether uh, we need to revisit it, we probably don't need to, but we're going to anyway. So his first game against the University of Illinois, he goes 20-21 for 248 yards and five touchdowns, and we're losing our minds that we finally have the it factor at quarterback, and then COVID hit. And Graham Mertz, along with many others on that team, experienced the virus, 
and since then has not been anywhere close to what the anticipation was when he arrived on campus. So now that he's in his redshirt junior season, this, as far as his stay with Wisconsin, it's all about this 2022 campaign. If this campaign doesn't go well, Graham Mertz, I I just distinctly feel as if you'll find his name in the transfer portal. Let's hope it doesn't get to that point. Let's hope that this becomes the breakout year for Graham Mertz. The biggest issue for Graham Mertz will be throwing the deep ball. Last year, he ranked 511 out of 513 qualifying quarterbacks. When he threw a ball over 20 yards, he connected his with, excuse me, his receivers at just shy of 27%. So for Graham Mertz to be what we had hoped Graham Mertz would be, much of it is going to have to come through the deep ball, an improvement on the deep ball, and that will help this team immensely. Now, with that said, let's also remember that the offensive line last year did not perform like the offensive line as of old. They struggled in pass protection. And Graham Mertz has not had the experience yet to withstand some of the pressures that were being thrown at him. And with it, he made some poor decisions. And with it, he didn't necessarily hit his targets the way he, I think, is capable of. So let's just hope some things settle into place. Let's hope the play calling gets a little bit more imaginative and we see Graham Mertz crack into a discussion like we're getting into with some of these other quarterbacks around college football that people really need to take stock in. First of all, we go to the University of Alabama. Last year's Heisman Trophy winner is ready to and poised to do it again. Bryce Young at Alabama last year went 366 of 547, over 4,800 yards, 47 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He was magnificent for Alabama last year. They did not win the national championship, but you can't put it on his shoulders. He did a fantastic job last year, and he's poised to do it once again. Another quarterback to look at, In the Big Ten, can we call it the Big Ten, even though it's like the big 583, the way conferences are going? C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Last year, 317 of 441 for just over 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. There are a lot of people I think C.J. Stroud is ready to take an enormous step and really challenge Bryce Young for that Heisman Trophy. What's scary is obviously, that he's at Ohio State and what that can do for a very, very high-powered offense. In the Pac-12, still the Pac-12 because USC hasn't jumped ship quite yet, in the Pac-12 is Caleb Williams, who left to join his coach, Lincoln Riley, after playing with Lincoln at the University of Oklahoma, came with him over to USC. Now, Caleb Williams, to me, is one of those players who's had an abundance of talent, who showed flashes of it last year. But I don't necessarily think he had the it factor last year that he possesses going into this season. 
I think last year was a great experience for him to get in the college game. And now with USC, hopefully he can live up to the hype because the pressure will be increased now at USC. And with it being increased, can you make that next step? I think somebody of his caliber can. Hendon Hooker at the University of Tennessee is another player to keep an eye on. But the one I really want to take note for here is a quarterback from NC State. Now, the quarterback from NC State goes by the name of Devin Leary. And Devin Leary is not one of those quarterbacks that I think many in the general public have paid attention to unless you follow NC State football. But Devin Leary last year went 283 of 431 for just over 3,400 yards. He had 35 touchdowns and five interceptions. They have 17 starters back on a team that last year in the ACC won nine ballgames. This is a team that has, with his leadership, his experience now being a senior, has the experience to really challenge to win the ACC. A lot of times right now in the ACC we solely think of Clemson or we think of the potential of the University of Miami or Florida State kind of resurrecting their programs. But I'm telling you right now, keep an eye not only on NC State, but keep an eye on Devin Leary. He's got the tools necessary to not only help this team win, but I think he's got the tools necessary to to do decently at the next level, meaning the NFL. So college football, getting ready to get back into the swing of things. We'll start looking at the Wisconsin Badgers a little bit more in the upcoming days. But I want you to think about the quarterback position going into this season because I think there's going to be a lot of hype and a lot of talk, but I think it's very well-deserved because there are a lot of quarterbacks out there who are vying for the headlines. A lot of talent is out there at the QB position, which should make this college football season a whole lot of fun. All right, we've got one more segment to go, and we've entitled it, You Gotta Be Kidding Me. And as I said in the intro, There is one team out there right now that has already leapt to the front of the pack, and we could be saying, you got to be kidding me, more and more and more, as in this case, and I'll give a brief hint, the NFL season moves forward. And so we'll wrap things up with our edition of you got to be kidding me, and we'll do it in just a sec. gotta be kidding me so when this season had begun I had a feeling a lot of this segment would be in and around the Cleveland Browns right the whole Deshaun Watson thing the fact that the Cleveland Browns started Deshaun Watson in their first preseason game a team that foreseeably doesn't know how to read a room so to speak and know what the public backlash is going to be and what that could mean for the stature of the organization, but nonetheless, so be it. 
I have a feeling we'll get to the Cleveland Browns as this segment continues. Where I'm going to go is the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy. Michael, you had one of the most penalized teams last season. You made some decisions with regards to the game clock, with regards to game situations that were dissected and ridiculed throughout the year. And everybody thought you'd come back in this season, be a changed man, ready to roll, see what happens the whole nine yards. And your first preseason game, he says five times fast, you rolled up almost 130 yards in penalties. Mike McCarthy, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be able to get your team, even if we're talking about second, third, fourth stringers to perform at a higher level mentally with regards to some of these penalties than what's taking place. I, I can't believe after week one of a preseason game, I'm already saying that Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. And many people thought he could be on the hot seat by the end of the season. I'm saying that if Mike McCarthy can't get a hold of some of these issues with regards to penalties, and we haven't yet seen what will happen with clock management and game management and all of those elements that come into play, Mike McCarthy might not get out of week six in Dallas. So Mike McCarthy, you got to be kidding me. Get your <clears throat> together. You're a coach that had great success here in Green Bay, got Aaron Rodgers at this point his only Super Bowl, and quite honestly would love to see us succeed. But something ain't right in Dallas. And if you ain't careful, the Dallas Cowboys are going to find themselves a number of times being the butt of the joke, so to speak, with regards to this segment. And with that, we'll wrap things up. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, on the 414 Sports Podcast. Have yourself a great week. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button down below. Take care of one another. We'll talk to you in a couple of days.